Well, I'm continuing with my series on supernatural protection, but I guess I, I kind of want to start it out by just uh, making an observation. Things are truly being shaken right now. Of course, the shaking that everybody is most conscious of at the moment is prompted by the touch of death, the fear of death, the cursing that comes along with the kind of pandemic we're experiencing right now, and it's shaking our society to its very roots. I don't want you to be confused about the source of this shaking, because it certainly isn't God that's doing this shaking. There's a shaking that happens from time to time in the earth. The Bible says that the earth groans on occasion because of the curse that's in that earth as a result of humanity's unilaterally uh, total decision to go the evil way instead of the way God said when he spoke to Adam and Eve. That was an earth-wide effect and impact that it had. And I've shared a little bit of this before, but basically you need to see that the curse in the earth and all life springs from the earth we're made of the dust of the earth at the most microscopic levels imaginable. Bacteria, viruses, meant for a good purpose in the outset in the creation, became corrupted with the curse that was upon the earth as a result of man's complete rebellion against God at that point in time. It was the collective decision of all humanity at that point. And it had an earthwide impact and effect. And so beginning with the very smallest forms of life in the earth, the earth became corrupt and cursed. And it was the beginning of the food chain, of course, so everything else was touched by that corruption. And that's why we live in a place that brings things uh, to pass in our lives that we just as soon not have to deal with. Jesus mentioned that when he said, you're in this world, and in the world there is tribulation. And so based on the <clears throat> collective decisions made by the majority of the human populace at any given point in time, if those decisions <clears throat> don't come down on the side of life and blessing or the principles of life that God gives us in his word, then it opens the global experience to the touch of death. And if he can, the God of this world, Satan, for the balance of this dispensation, produces whatever shaking he can. A fear-based shaking in the heart of man uh, to produce questioning and confusion, to bring societal change for the worse. But God uses that dark kind of shaking, even though he didn't sponsor it or promote it, and don't ever get the idea he did. He'll use it to bring men's awareness to the surface of their need for him. Now that's one kind of shaking we see in the Bible, such that the earth will groan. And then there's another kind of shaking that has its origins in the heavenly arena a heavenly shaking. And of course, I think that refers to the spiritual shaking that God will offset 
the natural calamity, the naturally dark shaking that often occurs. And that shaking will be of every paradigm, every perspective, every viewpoint counter to his word in every arena of human endeavor. We'll be seeing a shaking in civil government in the halls of civil government, all of the things that the perspectives that are secular or humanistic and have opened man to a journey that takes him further away from God, these institutions will be shaken. <clears throat> Not only civil government, the media is going to be shaken. The media's view and perspective of what goes down the, will be shaken to the core of its existence. And I'm speaking primarily of the media that has been corrupted by purely secular or humanistic viewpoint. It'll be shaken. These institutions will be shaken. Our university system will be shaken. Our university system that has planted ideas in the minds of our young people, our children, that are counter to the truth of life on this earth as God would have it experienced by us. And so these institutions of man are gonna get shaken. It'll be a spiritual shaking, which together with the, the natural dark shaking we're experiencing now, will I believe bring humanity to an awareness such as perhaps never before that produces an awakening for a need for God an awakening to the truth of needing to know more about God, needing to know our place in relationship to him in this life. It'll bring about an awakening of our need to be dependent upon his goodness and his grace and to base our lives on the principle of his word. And following that awakening, I believe, will come an outpouring of the Holy Spirit such that revival, perhaps the last one at the end of this age. We could be facing the outpouring of the former and the latter rain, bringing in a harvest of souls to the kingdom that has never before been seen. I choose to see what is happening now through that lens because that's what brings the passion, the excitement, the fire, and the hope. And of course, you know, this is the way the Lord wants us to live, excited about life. And so it's a matter of this is my expectation and my belief based on what I see in the Word of God. This could be that very day that we're entering into. And many have prophesied that it is. You know, and it could well be we see this kind of shaking happening right now that will produce a great awakening, that will bring in revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God, such as prepares and begins to bring in a harvest of mankind, a harvest of souls into the kingdom of God. I want you to believe that too. Now, you know, uh, you might wonder what kind of, I mean, how does God produce his shaking. Well, I believe that leads me into what I'm going to be talking about this Sunday and the next, perhaps, Sunday or two after this. I'm going to be talking about the element of your supernatural protection that angels bring. 
and I believe it is angelic shaking that we are seeing happening now throughout human institutions that need to be shaken. And of course, according to the Bible, <clears throat> we can expect that all things that can be shaken will be so that those things that aren't shaken remain. That means you're not gonna be shaken. The one thing that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God. If you're a part of that kingdom, you need to make sure you're not shaken. You don't need to because the result that the Bible points to is that all things that can be shaken will be so that those things that aren't shaken remain. That would be those that have made the decision to make Jesus their Lord and have entered the kingdom. And the future that that holds for us is brighter than I have words to describe. And I believe it's an angelic shaking behind you know, the, the spiritual shaking that God's doing. You know, I see the angelic host as being his primary um, tool or uh, the, the thing that he most uses, and I'm speaking about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is the angelic host that is at their disposal to bring about their purposes in the earth. The purpose is promoting the kingdom of God. And that includes the kind of shaking that God wants to see done in the earth. The shaking of these secular institutions that resist and oppose the principle of life in his word. I believe it's the angels doing the shaking. We see a little shaking going on in Acts chapter 4. When a company of believers came together in prayer, it says the building shook. <clears throat> that didn't probably take more than, than one angel to shake the building. And there are armies of angels out there. One of the revelations that I think, uh, you know, is important for us to have regards the encounter that Joshua had uh, with the captain of the Lord's host in the fifth chapter of the book of Joshua. And, you know, the, he had a sword in his hand. Yeah, Joshua said, whose side are you on? The angel defined himself as being, I am the captain of the Lord's host. I said angel, I actually believe that is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus because he is captain of the Lord's host. And the word host is interesting. It literally means an army of warriors. And he shows up to Joshua and says, I'm the captain of the Lord's army of angels. Is basically what he's saying. And so there are angel armies out there ready to do the work of God. In the instance of Joshua and the children of, children of Israel opening their campaign to take their land to promise with the battle of Jericho, I believe it is following the captain or Jesus' instruction that Joshua was enabling the angelic army to flatten the walls around Jericho. I believe God uses the angelic host in ways that would be surprising and enlightening certainly to all of us. 
<clears throat> angels are something that we've long been aware of. But I know it's easy to get, uh, to get focused on a different area of the truth of Scripture and not really give angels the place they need to have in your life of faith that would enable them to do the things that God has sent them, commissioned them to do. And so during the course of our discussion on angels, you know, I want to talk about the different kinds of angels there are because there are different classes or categories of angels, the different forms and shapes that we see them taking. The fact they have spiritual bodies doesn't mean that they can't be manifest in this physical arena. We see that throughout the word. We see that they are mighty beings. Just one angel took care of the entire Syrian army in one night. Just one. And Jesus made the point in Matthew after he was arrested in the garden when, you know, shortly after Peter had cut somebody's ear off, uh, the Lord made the comment when he was arrested that he could call on 12 legions of angels like right now. He could call on 12 legions of angels. You know, that's, that's a bunch. But it's not nearly all that are available. The Bible says the angelic host is innumerable. And so we can understand that there are uh, a number of angels exceeding our ability to quantify them. Now in the rebellion that Lucifer led against God in the dateless past, one third of those angels were cast back into the earth and took on a different mantle. They became the forces of darkness referred to as powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in high places, often referred to as demons. Well, if that you know, uh, means their host is innumerable as well if they came from an innumerable host, but don't let that intimidate you. We have a lot more on our side because twice as many remain in the kingdom of God serving his purpose. So we outnumber the enemy by at least two to one. But I want to talk about all of the different aspects of angelic ministry and the realm in which we, they inhabit for the sole purpose of enabling us to wrap our faith around the resource that God has made available to us. Not only for supernatural protection, but to bring about a host of other purposes that they are to fulfill in our lives. Uh, you know, I'm just going to begin by uh, talking tonight, first of all, uh, about the purpose God has for the angelic host by taking a look first at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. <clears throat> the word says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The word temptation actually means, or is translated by the Amplified, as temptation, test, or trial. There is no temptation or test. And believe me, uh, our faith is being tested now, not by God. He said, don't make that mistake. He doesn't do that. Uh, but our faith is being 
tested. There is a trial going on that every one of us are experiencing, a difficult time of adversity. And he says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But with the temptation also will make a way to escape that you may also be able to bear it. Okay, uh, you know, I think I'd do better reading it from the Bible. So let me go there for a moment. See if I can do this without any glasses. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape. But will, with the temptation, the test, the trial, the difficulty, also make a way to escape. You have a way of escape from everything negative or counter to the Word of God, everything that falls in the realm or arena of cursing and death, there is a way of escape. And of course, everybody wants to know what that way is. So let's see what the word says in Hebrews chapter one, verse 13. But to which of the angels say, said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now we'll pause there momentarily. They are sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. <clears throat> if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're born again, you are an heir of salvation. <clears throat> and it says that the angelic host has one purpose during this dispensation and that is to bring ministry to bear, to minister to you, whatever it may be you need. It could be healing, it could be deliverance, it could be protection, it could be provision, any of the things that fall within uh, the arena of your salvation, having become a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are an heir to all of these promises right now on this earth today. And the angels are sent to minister to you as an heir. I was reading a book by a guy named uh, Tim, my goodness, I can't think of his last name now. But Tim, Pastor Tim of a church in Ohio, Tim Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, Tim Sheets, and uh, he has as much understanding of angelic ministry as anybody I've, I've met. Uh, he wrote a book called Angel Armies that I would recommend you look up and read. Now, he has a little bit different methodology in uh, pursuing ministry than I do, which is all right. I trust he's doing exactly with his life, his church, what the Lord tells him to do, and that's my purpose for this ministry. But his understanding of angelic ministry 
Uh, it's really, really good. It would be good for you to hear about it. The thing that reminded me of it was uh, uh, the angels are sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. And uh, he, he has coined the term Air Force. The God is send, the Lord is sending in his Air Force, but it's H-E-I-R. And, and that's kind of cute, I guess, whatever, but it's a, it's a revelation as well. And it says in Hebrews 2, 1, then, going on with our text, therefore, meaning because they are sent to minister to us. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And it's talking about what we're hearing now. This is all within the context of angelic ministry. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of war reward. How shall we escape? I'm hearkening back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 now. He prepares a way of escape for us. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, stop there for a moment. The salvation that's being talked about is that which can be administered to us by the angelic host sent for that purpose. If we neglect their ministry to us, it provides an access to everything that we're heirs to because of salvation. And if we neglect the ministry that provides so great a salvation that they provide, the question is, how will we escape? It's a rhetorical question impl implying clearly that our escape is certainly uh, in jeopardy if we don't give attention to angelic ministry. So if we go back to the beginning of this verse again, or verse one again, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we hear. Well, uh, how do you hear about angelic ministry? How do you hear things of this sort that are going to impact your capacity to engage your faith so that escape will be the result from whatever it, it, whatever it is the enemy's bringing your way? How are you gonna do that if you don't give more earnest heed to the things we've heard? And the first place we hear it from is the word of God. And so for that reason, we're gonna spend time over the next Sunday or two going through the word about angels because it's a place that I wanna build our faith, mine as well as yours, regarding their ministry to us and thereby enabling us to escape, to escape the darkness that might otherwise be endeavoring to touch our lives and our families, to escape the hand of the enemy, to stand firm and not be shaken because the kingdom of darkness will be shaken and what remains will be the kingdom of God, will be us. And so it's important that we go through the word, hear these things because faith comes by hearing 
And like anything else, you appropriate uh, the provision of God by faith. So you appropriate angelic ministry in your life only to the extent you come to a place of faith. So I'm looking forward to doing that. The other place that, uh, you know, provides things for you to hear are testimonies of people. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So as we share our testimony, that enables people to hear things about angelic ministry, if we have testimonies in that area. And that's something we need to give earnest heed to as well. What the word has to say and what the testimony of others brings to our awareness. And when we give that kind of earnest heed to angelic ministry, uh, that's the first step in enabling them to perform their ministry in our lives. Well, I guess, you know, um, I'll start with my own testimony, and then there are a few others I'll share with you. Uh, my own testimony of angelic encounter. Uh, I've never seen an angel uh, in my well, I, I haven't ever seen an angel, per se, that I was able to identify as an angel at that particular point in time. But I had an encounter one time that has a lot to do with what uh, the building that we're in right now. This was when we were in the other building, um, and of course, you know, building this facility to accommodate the growth that the Lord had brought us. And uh, we had uh, entered an agreement with the uh, local uh, industrial park developer to build this facility to our specification and lease it back to us with an option to buy. It was a good arrangement. I was excited about it. We got the walls of the building up. That was it. Nothing but the walls. The interior wasn't finished. And you may recall back uh, 25 years or so ago, um, the federal government formed the RTC Resolution Trust Corporation uh, to investigate, uh, shut down where necessary, uh, disperse assets uh, of some of the loans that were made by savings and loan institutions mostly. Our developer had borrowed uh, quite a bit of money uh, to build a hotel and other buildings in this facility. And when the uh, RTC investigated a savings and loan institution in Dallas that had provided a lot of the developers financing for this industrial park, they found things that were wrong, shut that savings and loan down, took over their loan portfolio. The developer up here ultimately went out of business and that was a shame because he was a good man, uh, but he went, he went out of business. And the next thing I know, the RTC owned the building that God was building for us. And it had four walls up, but that was it. Nothing else had been done. And they were gonna put it on the uh, auction block and sell it to the highest bidder. There were 15 other bidders besides me besides the church here. And they were all industrial park developers, knew exactly what values were, uh, what the process was. 
I felt like a babe in the woods because, you know, I did my due diligence the best I could, but I didn't know anything about these kind of values. Had little uh, experience in this arena of business. You know, but I had a figure in my heart that, that I kept coming back to of a little over $3 million. And the day came for the bid to be uh, submitted. It was the Sunday before the Monday that the bids were to be submitted and the buyer would be determined. And I was really ticked off. This was our building and, uh, you know, the enemy was trying to take it out from under us and uh, do something else with it. And so anyway, the bids were gonna be submitted the next day. I shared all of these things with the church, uh, with the church that Sunday, told them to be praying. And after the service was over, this guy comes up to me that I'd never seen before. And I was thinking about lowering my bid. I didn't want to waste any money, uh, flopping around back and forth, maybe raising the bid to be sure we got it. Even if we did waste a little money, I hadn't been able to really uh, settle on it. This guy comes up to me after the service, never saw him before. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you that that uh, what you have in your heart is the right thing. Don't waver. Submit it. And that really impacted me. I felt like that was, you know, something the Lord spoke through this gentleman. I didn't consider it remarkable that I didn't recognize him. Uh, the old facility had 1,500 seats in it, and it was pretty full. So it wasn't unusual that I didn't know everybody. So it didn't particularly uh, impact me at that point that, that I didn't recognize him. Uh, but, you know, he disappeared. I didn't see him again. And after we won the bid the next day, because we won it by $50,000, was the next closest bid uh, for a little over $3 million. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of the story is history. We put together an investment group that... Uh, provided the money to do a $20 million build out, leased it to us for a few years, and then we bought it ourselves and here we are. But none of that would have happened if this guy hadn't come up to me and said, what you've got in your heart is the right thing. And so I wanted to find him afterwards and you know, make sure he got the good news and tell him about it. You know, a service or two, I said, if that was you and you're in here, Come on up here after the service. Let me thank you. There were a couple of ushers around. I asked them if they had seen that, and they said no. And the Lord spoke to my heart one night. Uh, you know, there's this little place between being awake and being asleep where you seem to be more sensitive to the spiritual realm, or at least I do. And I felt like the Lord said to me, that was an angelic visitation. And just like the Word says, uh, be aware, you know, of eating supper with some stranger. You might be entertaining an angel and didn't know, it, didn't know you were doing it. In other words, there is a class of angels, and we'll touch on this, that, uh, you know, whose spiritual bodies can be manifest in this arena, and they look like people. But at any rate, um, I believe I had that angelic encounter. And I, you know, I wish I could say that uh, a different class of angel, one with wings and that was about 14 feet tall and that uh, couldn't be denied, uh, 
you know, showed up in my life. That would, but, you know, this is good. I mean, he had a ministry to perform in our life as a church. We wouldn't be here at any rate uh, if he hadn't gotten his message to me from the Lord. And that's what angels are. They're God's messengers. That's one of their jobs. Uh, I have had others say, as far as my own experience with angels, although I haven't seen one, I've been told on a number of occasions over the four decades of ministry that I've done uh, that there is an angel that appears to be mine or specifically assigned to me one or two in particular that occasionally show up while I'm preaching and they've, you know, people have been given uh, the operation of the discerning of spirits momentarily and they've reported to me that they've seen my angel. He's a lot taller than I am. Uh, of course, you don't have to be an angel for that to be true. But he was a big dude, you know, 10, 12 feet tall. Uh, so, you know, that gives me comfort to think that they're looking after me. And you have at least two angels looking after you. We'll get into more of this at a later time. God said of little children, you don't want to mess around with a little child because his angels, plural, are right now beholding the face of God. Meaning that every child has angelic assignments when they're born into this earth. There's no place in the word, as Kenneth E. Hagin pointed out, that the Bible says he ever called them back from their assignment. I believe that each of us have plural angels assigned to us that means at least two, maybe more. Probably took a legion to keep me out of trouble before I got serious about the Lord. But we've all got at least a couple of angels assigned to us. And I've had mine seen on occasions by folks that have reminded me that they are there. And there, you know, I mentioned this place. The Bible says that angels are his ministers and they're flames of fire. And it's interesting to me that that terminology, the, the Greek word that is rendered flame of fire is the same Greek word in Acts chapter uh, one when the uh, 120 were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit shows up like a wind and it says cloven tongues of fire rested on the heads of each of those individuals. Well, that's the same word that's used to describe angels as uh, flames of fire, rendered there as cloven tongues of fire. Tim Sheets in his book uh, would suggest that the angelic host was there uh, as the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost to make it a, uh, an involvement of the fire of God as flames of fire they deposited the kind of inner fire and passion that drove our early church fathers to bring change to the known world at that time. So at any rate, they're referred to as, as flames of fire. And uh, there have been people that have seen uh, streaks of light, almost as lightning or fire, uh, moving across sanctuaries where there is really high praise and worship perhaps, 
Well, I saw that. I said, I haven't seen an angel before, but in this place between uh, wakefulness and sleep, where I always seem to be, you know, more open to the spiritual realm, and depending on which realm has entrance to my life at that point, uh, the darkness uh, or the light, you know, I seem to be sensitive right there in that place between wakefulness and sleep. And several years ago, I started seeing these flashes of light across my eyes in a dark room. And I had actually had a uh, corneal implant done in one of my eyes uh, for, you know, a uh, cataract. And uh, it had only, the first time this happened, I had had that implant done maybe, oh, I'd guess maybe two or three months prior. And that's what I thought it was. And uh, so I called the doctor out there that did it. And he said, no, he's not heard of that before. He said, if it has anything to do with the surgery, then as, you know, uh, your, the effects of the surgery are completely gone, he said, that may disappear. Well, it's never disappeared. I still have those flashes of light and have since learned and believe that I'm getting a glimpse at angel activity in the realm of the spirit before I go to sleep. So, you know, my own personal experience of angels are limited uh, to those accounts that I just shared with you. But let this impact you. I'm not a flake. If anything, I come down too far on the side of being, uh, you know, too naturally inclined in some areas. So, you know, these are realities to me that uh, hopefully might have a positive impact on you. But let me go beyond that, share a few other testimonies that I'm aware of. There was a pastor in Iowa. I think it was Iowa. It might have been another state. Uh, Iowa, probably close enough. Uh, But he was coming home from a meeting in his church one evening and was in a horrific automobile accident. Uh, The car that he hit caused him to careen, or that hit him caused him to careen apparently into a telephone pole, cut the pole down. The transformer on the pole came off, crashed through the car. Car burst into flames. And he's trapped in there watching the windshield melt. And the next thing he knows, there's this guy prizing one of the doors open, getting his foot out from under what he was caught in and pulling him out to safety. And he thought at the moment, he said, I didn't see a person there uh, on foot and there wasn't another car involved Uh, that would have stopped and pulled over that he was aware of. Uh, But at any rate, this guy helped helped him out. He's laying on the grass some distance away from the burning car, you know, uh, recovering from the the impact and the shock of an event like that. And the rescue vehicles pull up and, you know, they make sure he's all right. He had a few scratches and bruises, but he wasn't even burned, and uh, otherwise he was okay. And uh, he asked the police officers there who this other man, who this man was that pulled him out, that he wanted to thank him. And you've already figured it out. 
Uh, nobody saw another man there. There wasn't anybody there when the rescue vehicles pulled up. The cops saw nobody. Uh, but they were interested in having an eyewitness, so one of the police officers took his car and, and drove in the direction that he assumed the guy would have run. Couldn't find him. Tried the other direction. Couldn't find him. He just disappeared. And again, the Lord spoke to this pastor that night that that was an angelic visitation that, that produced salvation from him, that made a way of escape for him. And there was another individual that had been diagnosed with heart disease that had become so severe that, uh, you know, the doctor said, you gotta have uh, heart surgery, open heart surgery, or there's not going to be, uh, you know, much of a prognosis for you that you want to hear. So he had scheduled heart surgery. He was a believer. And of course, he had prayed, Lord, we, we stand for healing, believe for healing. You know, I believe that this open heart surgery isn't going to be necessary. Uh, but, you know, it was scheduled for a day or two later. He went to bed that night, and he woke up, and there was a man standing over him, and he said it was like he was massaging his heart. And it, the man said to him, uh, you're going to be all right. You're going to be fine. Go back to sleep. And he did, and you know the result. Uh, he either got a new heart, or a healed heart, one of the two, uh, by, angelic, by, by virtue of angelic ministry to his life. Uh, he said that he identified the individual as an angel. And of course, the doctors validated the truth that he didn't need heart surgery after all. There's another example, another testimony of a young woman uh, been off to college came home from, for a break or vacation, and I uh, had gone out visiting uh, some of her friends from high school and older friends that lived in the area and uh, actually stayed out, went to this friend's house, stayed out later than uh, she had planned. She was the last one to leave, which wasn't really a big deal. Her, the, the gal that had taken her there had had to go, and so she needed to walk home. And it was only a few blocks, so it wasn't something that she considered dangerous, and it was in a decent residential area. So she felt good about doing that. So she set out walking and prayed, Lord, I thank you for your divine, divine protection. And she decided to take a shortcut through a, a, a little alley that opened onto her neighborhood. And as she turned into that alley, she could see someone standing about halfway down. As she approached, it was a man. She felt a little fear come on her. So once more, she prayed for protection and said that she felt the manifestation of that protection. She walked by this individual. Nothing occurred. She went on home, went to bed. Everything was fine. She woke up the next morning, and the news said that she watched that morning, uh, reported that a young girl had been uh, accosted and raped in that very same alley 
at a time of only a few minutes or so different than when she figured she would be in there. And she got chill bumps up her spine because uh, she knew that she had passed that man and she knew she could recognize him. So, you know, at the encouragement of her parents, she went to the police station to report what had occurred to her and, uh, and they said, well, would you be willing uh, to look at a lineup of suspects that we've detained? She said she would. She saw the guy, clearly recognized him, picked him out of the lineup, and shortly after being confronted with this, you know, the guy broke down and confessed. And uh, before she left the station, the police station, she said to one of the officers, would it be all right for me to ask him a question? You know, he's, he's on the other side of the bars. She said, would it be all right for me to ask him a question? Uh, I'd really like to know something. And they agreed to that. So she went back uh, to where he was being detained. And, and, uh, and the question she had was, why didn't you attack me? I mean, she was a very pretty young lady. And she said, why didn't you attack me? And he said, well, you had those two really big guys beside you. That's why. And so, another case of angelic ministry being uh, an instrument of God's escape, deliverance, healing. For me, it was a financial involvement. For another guy, it was healing a new heart. For another guy, it was deliverance from a burning car. From this gal, it was divine protection in a time of need. There, the, the, the testimonies of angelic intervention are so numerous, I, I simply don't have time to go into them tonight. I will do this periodically over the next Sunday or two as we continue to talk about angels. But you need to take heed to the things that the Word of God says about angelic ministry Heed to the things that you hear through the testimony of others if indeed you're going to escape and, and experience the things that you are heir to as in the kingdom of God as an heir of salvation. Let me pray for you for a moment as we close. Father, I thank you for divine intervention and we believe through angels, Lord, as we learn enough about them to invest our faith and our heart of belief, we believe, Lord, that we become ever increasingly aware of how to activate or enable their ministry in our lives. We believe that we will be able to call uh, on your name and you're the captain of the Lord's host and you will dispatch whatever angelic intervention is needful on our behalf. And we believe, Lord, that at some point, it would just be nice to see one. And so we just know we're living in that day. We're living in a day when their operation is more significant than ever before. We tap into it by faith and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.